Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. The music is dead. Long live the music. Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. We're so happy you joined us. My name is Kyle Hawk. I'm the editor-in-chief at It's All Dead, and uh, joining me, as almost always, from Chicago, it is our senior editor, Kyle Schultz. Good evening, Kyle. Hi, how are you? Not too bad. Uh, We're recording this on a Monday evening, and uh, we're going to talk about several things tonight, um, mostly talking about you know how music gets reimagined uh, by different artists and remixed, um, and we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But uh, first of all, um, thank you to everybody that's listening. The we've been a li- we've both been a little slow on the site lately, and for me, this happened last year too, where um, it's October. And if you listen to the podcast or you follow us on social media, you know that I'm a huge Kansas City Royals fan. And as fate would have it, um, last year the Royals broke a 29-year streak of missing the playoffs and went all the way to the World Series. And then they did it again this year. And so my entire past two Octobers have been almost solely devoted to uh, the Royals um, watching games. I, I was at uh, Game 6 this past Friday when the Royals clinched the American League pennant over the Blue Jays. Um, and so that's taken up a lot of my time, Kyle. Um, and, uh, if, if you do follow me on social media, I apologize for the incessant posting about the Royals. Um, it, how annoying is it, Kyle? I, I've never asked anybody. Is it, is it kind of obnoxious? Uh, as someone who does not follow baseball hardly at all, it's actually nice to see someone actually give a shit about a team that <laughs> no one seems to hate. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, this guy still watches baseball. Oh, that that's nice. Well, especially <laughs> being in Chicago, literally the only thing I ever hear is fuck the Cubs or fuck the Sox. So mm. uh, no, no one's ever going, hey, they're doing well today. Yeah. Well, the Cubs did pretty well this year. Um, oh, they did. But the day after they lost, uh, some guys came into work wearing Sox jerseys and everybody was upset. So <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious because they, they were so it, bad this it, year. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's apparently a whole thing. So wow, uh, I just stayed over in the corner where no one could see. <laughs> so you're not a you're not a White Sox or a Cubs fan, right? No, I could you're not care less about fan. those teams. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Um, well, anyway, that's the 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 reason for our tardiness. And we were actually going to do this podcast a couple weeks ago, but I just uh, I've been really bad about getting things. Well, one, because we were going to have some other people involved and the, the schedule's never aligned, but also baseball. So um, that's the thing. But thank you <laughs> for your patience and waiting for us um, as we, we get started tonight. I, we were talking beforehand. I feel like you and I are always enjoying an, an adult beverage as we record the show. Um, and, and we've always kind of kept that to ourselves. At least I've, I've never brought it up. But, you know, I was like, tonight we should just we should talk about it. We're all adults here. Um what are you uh, What are you enjoying as you record our podcast tonight, Kyle? The tallest glass of Heineken you have ever seen in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your usual drink of choice for the podcast? Um, no, it kind of goes back and forth with whatever I've got, but at the moment, this is what was in the fridge, so it's it also inside. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, I, I've I feel like podcasts are just better um, with alcohol in the mix. Um, I, uh, I've been on a kick of, um, not your father's root beer recently, um, which I don't know if you've had that. It's a, it's a hard oh, root yeah, beer. Good choice. 
Um, but I, I didn't, I was almost going to choose that for tonight and I didn't, uh, because we were at Oliver Winery, which is a, uh, winery near Bloomington, Indiana. We live in Indianapolis and we bought this large, they make cider as well. And we bought this large bottle of peach cider. And so I'm actually having that tonight and, uh, it's pretty tasty. Nice. I don't know if you're a cider actually, guy. I, I know you enjoy the beer. I'm, I'm good for just about anything, but uh, a fun side note, our first two or three podcasts, now that we've brought it up and we never had before, our first two or three podcasts, I was completely trashed because I've never recorded anything before. <laughs> so, Everybody could I can tell. Just imagine, just imagine sitting in the chair and being like, you fucking save the day. Yes. <laughs> no, uh, you were just as awkward as you always are. So, um, Yay. <laughs> Um, well, cool. Well, uh, we're going to talk, uh, get to our main topic here in just a moment, but I wanted to bring this up because I, you, uh, a piece just went up on the site this morning. Uh, you attended a, he is a legend show last week in Chicago, which is awesome, uh, because they're one of my favorite bands and you and I had actually never had a conversation about them until you texted me to told me you were going, um, tell us a little yeah. about the, about the show. Um, they put on a hell of a show. It was weird because, um, one of my friends actually tried gaming into them several years ago, and I liked them, but it wasn't really my thing, and I kind of put them on the back burner for a long time, and then, uh, this last week when they were in town, one of my new friends up here invited me along, and he brought along a group of, like, ten people, and I've heard their name so many years, and especially when I told you I was going, you told me they were one of your favorite bands, which kind of mm -hmm. blew me away because we've never talked about that. And uh, just the little I know about them, I expected this to be completely sold out or, you know, packed. Yeah. And we get there, it's in the heart of Wicker Park in Hipster Ground Zero, and there are 60 people there tops in a room that can fill, you know, a couple hundred easily. Right. And it was just weird that uh, it's not... I expected so many more people to be there, and I really don't know if it's just the culture up here isn't really into that style of music, which is a it's a nice style. It's weird. It's like half hardcore southern rock almost. Right. It's uh it's hard for me to describe just because I'm not used to it, but um yeah, it was just really weird. It felt very intimate. It felt like a reward for something that I didn't understand, but <laughs> everyone else I was there with just lost their minds because. Right. Uh, especially the group that took me with, they were basically tussing, touching the stage and like looking directly up at the guitarists and stuff. And uh, you know, it, some of the photos I took, it looks like there's a crowd in front of the stage. There's like two rows and then just complete emptiness. It was honestly, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I've been to a, a lot of shows, like I've been into basement shows, and um, it was just really weird because it's just completely against everything I expected that show to be. But that said. Uh, he is legend fucking brought it. <laughs> yeah. They were amazing. And, uh, you know, and despite the crowd and everything, they put their all into it, and it was fantastic. And uh, I've really kind of been listening to him since then. Yeah. I can't think of – I got one of the CDs there, and I've been listening to that, and I can't think of what the title is at the moment. And that's actually going to bother me and make me sound terrible. <laughs> well, there's four. Um, the first one is the one that I that got me into the band, I Am Hollywood. Um, and I, uh, saw the band when I was living in Louisville, uh, a few years ago, I'm trying to think it was probably 2007 and it was a similar situation. It was, it was a show where there, there wasn't actually a stage. Like it was just 
they were playing on an area of the floor and there were maybe 20 to 25 people there. So same sort of thing. And again, just incredible show full of energy. And you think about like that band, like they're still playing those small shows. Like they're still going along. Like it's kind of incredible. They came out of a hiatus last year to put out a new album and do some shows. So it's been kind of cool to watch that band uh, really kind of, you know, soldier on, which is awesome for the people that love their music. Cause I feel like they've got a really, maybe it's a small yeah. fan base, but it's really freaking passionate. So, um, it's kind of cool. Yeah. To, you know, and, the uh, people still have the opportunity to see them. And that's, what, yeah. And that's what's surprising. I've heard so much about them over the last few years from just random people. And, uh, even when I was at the show, I texted two of my friends that I was going to be there and they both responded verbatim. I'm going to stick a foot in your ass <laughs> <laughs> because they're jealous. They couldn't go. And, uh, Heavy Fruit is the name of the album I got. Yep. Okay, so that's the newest one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had it uh, just kind of plugged into my car all week and listening to it. I forgot what the title was. Well, I uh, reviewed it for the know. site last year. You should uh, look it up and see what I had to say, I guess. See if you disagree. Oh, my uh, God. Cross promotion. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's cool. I uh, recently was up in your neck of the woods in Chicago a few weeks ago to see Armor for Sleep play their uh, 10-year anniversary show for What to Do When You Were Dead, which was awesome on a number of levels. One, that's one of my favorite records. Two, I'd never seen Armor for Sleep before. I'd, I'd missed them. They were one of those bucket list bands. And for whatever reason, when they were still around, I just never crossed paths. I was never able to make it to uh, shows when they were in town. So it was cool to get to see them finally. And three, um, What to Do When You Are Dead is one of the albums I've always wanted to own on vinyl. And they pressed it for um, these few shows that they're doing. So I was able to get a copy of that at the show. Um, so it was just all around a great experience. Uh, they played at the Metro, mm-hmm. and uh, which I love that venue. It's kind of a, it's, it's smaller and intimate, but it's roomy enough for you know a, a good crowd. And, and there was a good crowd. And it was cool because you know, those anniversary shows, it's like everybody knows every song. So that's fun. I think the funniest thing to me, though, is mm-hmm. they played about four songs from their other albums to kind of, you know, intro the show. And then they went into playing What to Do When You're Dead. Each time they start to play the opening notes of the track, like the crowd roars, and which is funny to me because it's like, you know, I, I get the spirit of the moment. But it's also like, you know what song's coming next. Like you're acting like overjoyed and surprised that they're playing the <laughs> next song, but it's literally just the next song on the album. Um, but yeah, no, it was a great experience. <laughs> Um, and I'm really glad I got to see it. I I really miss those guys. Um, I I I don't. I think you said you never really got into yeah. them, um, but they're they're a band I could definitely see you enjoying. Yeah, they're one of those bands that I uh, I was listening to during the emo explosion during like 2005 or so, and uh, I really like them. They're also one of those bands that just because of how much music I was listening to at the time, I would get really top heavy and listen to like the first half of the album and then switch to something else. And then, you know, years kind of went on. I just kind of stopped listening to most of the albums. So it's they're one of those bands I really liked, but um, I never got as fully invested into as maybe I would if I had given them more time. Yeah. Well, um, let's go ahead and, and dive into our, our main topic for tonight. And this topic was kind of born out of this idea that we were going to do a total podcast about Taylor Swift and Ryan Adams uh, doing a cover album of her album, 1989. And it was interesting because we kind of both found out that each of us are Taylor Swift fans. 
I was, then I wasn't. Now I really am. Um, I, I wrote a big kind of expose at the site about how she won me over that um, ends with me basically standing out in the cold outside of her stop of the 1989 tour here in Indianapolis <laughs> because I couldn't get a ticket because they were so expensive. Um, but I literally was outside the venue trying to buy tickets off scalpers and refreshing my phone. Um, but I, I love Taylor Swift. You like her too. Um, and she's not like the normal mold of most of the music we cover on the site, but, um, that doesn't mean, you know, I feel like with the site, we kind of cover what we want to. And Taylor Swift is someone that I, I like writing about. Yeah. So Ryan Adams did this cover, uh, album of 1989, her most recent, we were going to do a full podcast on it. We couldn't quite work that out with the people we wanted to have on it, although we may revisit that at some point. But the main gist here is now we have these two different versions of 1989 and what do you do with it? And so the the point I think that we were going to kind of be talking about, or at least the thing that I was most interested in discussing is this idea that there's still a lot of people out there that I, there's less people. I think Taylor Swift has been winning over a lot of people, but there's still a group of people out there that are like really oh, yeah. like kind of grumpy and angry about her for reasons that are just not fair. Um, and a lot of those same people were overjoyed to find that Ryan Adams, who we both like and respect, um, had covered her album, which is, was a really cool thing. And it was cool because, you know, Taylor was really on board with it and seemed to really enjoy it. Um, and, th and that album was great as well. Um, but there are a lot of people that kind of listened into that and decided, oh, we'll see, you know, Ryan Adams knows how to record a song. Like, you know, these songs were terrible, but now, you know, Ryan Adams is you know, kind of showed Taylor Swift what music should sound like, which is preposterous um, because they're literally the yeah. same songs. It's totally a matter of taste. Um, and the fact of the matter is, if you like Brian Adams' version of 1989, chances are you probably would like Taylor Swift if you would uh, let your guard down and enjoy yourself. Yeah, Taylor Swift is one of those artists that she won me over in a weird way just uh, – my sister really liked her because my sister's in the country, and it's just one of those things that I've never enjoyed that genre at all. And sure. um, I'd hear Taylor playing, you know, some of the CDs playing, and it's just one of those things that I don't quite understand what it is compared to uh, country as a whole because I don't know that uh, style. But just the hook she has and the ability to tell a story um, – really won me over in the end and it was one of those things that i've listened to most of her cds now uh in one version or another i enjoy almost everything i've heard um and it's one that she is one of those artists still that i'm still growing to some of her older music and i play the yeah. skipping game on albums where i hit my favorites but um you know especially the newer last few albums i have just fallen in love with i can't stop listening to her yeah, and so 1989 is an incredible pop album, and there is such a thing as really good pop music, um, believe it or not. And I know I've in the past been a, a downer on pop music at the at times, but uh, there's value there. And, and 1989 is a, a beautiful representation of what pop music can be. And the thing about good pop music is that it can appeal to so many different people in so many different ways, which is why someone like Ryan Adams can record his own version, which feels different. It sounds different, but the spirit of the songs is there. Um, and, and so you're able to enjoy it in a completely new way. I know like, you know, I, for me, the Taylor Swift album is my, I, I enjoy that more. Um, I feel like that's the 
the way it was meant to be represented, but I can also listen to the Ryan Adams version and take a lot of enjoyment from that as well. Like I, I was surprised by some of the songs, like his interpretation of style, for example, um, with yes. sort of the shoegaze uh, sort of feel to it was really awesome. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like you can enjoy both of those albums without having to like have this sort of mansplaining uh, response to it where Ryan Adams is showing like dumb little Taylor Swift, tower songs are meant to sound or something. Is that to me, that's just really, really crappy. Yeah. I personally, I've never seen anything like that at all. It's just one of those things that there's so many, you know, covers and uh, reinterpretations of remixes and stuff like that. This was just, I saw this more as something that an artist saw another artist do something great and it's a tribute, yep. if nothing else. It's not meant to replace the other album. It's meant to be the other side of the story, if you will. Yeah. Like, uh, 1989 is, you know, basically, if you cut down to the worst way you could ever describe it, it's, uh, you know, the girl side of the conversation for everything, and it makes references to, um, you know, past loves and stuff like that all over. And I feel like Ryan Adams is just the other half of that. When you put it together, you have you know, this melding of one story. Right. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like you can see that come through. And I, I remember I was reading an interview where Ryan Adams was kind of explaining as, as he started kind of messing around and playing the songs, he found his own personal situations uh, coming out and speaking to him through those songs in different ways than he even thought they would, which is kind of cool. Um, I feel like he, he had an experience with that album and wanted to share his side of the experience. And that was uh, it really turned out well. I think it's good for everybody, um, especially people yeah. that only subscribe to Spotify and <laughs> haven't been able to listen to Taylor Swift's <laughs> album. Now they can listen to the Ryan album version, I guess. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that was a conversation we were having, and it, it kind of led to some other things as far as talking about the way music gets reimagined at times. And, uh, and then we were talking about remixes as well, and it got announced uh, this past week, I think it was Friday, that Fall Out Boy is going yep. to be releasing a remix album of American Beauty, American Psycho that comes out this Friday. Um, and I feel like this isn't a shocker, um, but it's really interesting to see Fall Out Boy at a, a, at a point in kind of the pop culture ethos that they can just release a remix album and nobody bats an eye. Um, you know, they toured yeah. with Wiz Khalifa this summer, which everybody was like, oh, whoa, that's different. But the Fall Out Boy is... I mean, they're they're just at a different level right now. They can do things like this. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. You know, I'm sure I may give like one listen to the remix album. I doubt I'll be like I I don't know. I haven't heard it, so I can't really speak to how much <laughs> I'll enjoy it. But I you know, um, things like this don't necessarily go up my alley all the time. But we'll see. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Um, it's a, also one of those things I wasn't really surprised by. It. I'll definitely listen to it, and um, I'm going to try to like it. Uh, I have a weird history with Fall Out Boy because I know with like Folie Adieu, uh, they had a couple you know remixes of their songs on that. I forget which yeah. ones, but I really hated them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know like a couple weeks ago they put out a remix of one song that I believe had Demi Lovato on it. Yeah. And I paid no attention to it whatsoever because I figured it'd be one of the same things. And then they just kind of surprised announced this remix album, and is it kind of hit me, hit me. Uh, Odd just for the fact, like, oh, I should have seen this one coming. <laughs> I don't know what to feel about it, just because um, from what I know of their past remixes and uh, some of the just random things, you know, that, like, Pete Wentz had put out, it's just, it wasn't for me. And uh, I don't know if that's something along the lines of 
it's just my personal taste or if it really is just these those types of songs don't mix well with remixed versions yeah it's it's interesting i i did listen to the demi lovato version of irresistible and i actually really enjoyed it um i've I've really started to enjoy demi lovato i listened to her new album which came out last friday um and liked it quite a bit i liked i liked what she added to that song it felt true to the song and i was expecting that to be on the remix album and it's not it's mostly hip-hop artists um and if if you read my stuff that it's all dead or listen to the podcast i really i love hip-hop i grew up on hip-hop it's my first love um, when Fallout Boy has mixed hip hop elements into their music, it's been hit or miss for me. Um, there was a song they did on their last album, uh, the one that came out a couple years ago, their kind of comeback album with Big Sean that I really wasn't into. But then again, yeah. they did a remix of This Ain't a Scene back in the day that I think had like, gosh, who all was on that? I think it was Kanye was on that and maybe uh, Jay-Z. I don't remember, but it, that was a fun that was a fun version. And that song felt like a, a song that would work with a hip hop remix. I'm not convinced that all these songs are going to work. Uh, but again, I haven't, I haven't heard them all to be fair. Um, but it, it's definitely, it just feel, it, it's one of those things where fallout boy is at such a level right now that they can do this and nobody's really going to be mad about it. I mean, if, if you don't care, you'll just ignore it. But if you enjoy it, it's just like a cool extra thing. But uh, fallout boys, just, uh, we've talked about it a lot. They're kind of just on a whole different level. So yeah, and that's the thing that still kind of shocks me because the direction they've gone the last few albums, it's already like they've upped their ante. They're much more popular in it than they are rock, and um, it feels like their songs could more easily be remixed. But at the same time, especially um, American Beauty, American Psycho, it doesn't sound like it needs to be remixed. Yeah, like it feels like it's already polished enough that anything else would just be deconstructing it and hurting the song as a whole. So. Um, at least for me, I don't know what to expect from it. I'm hoping something good. Uh, I always, I'm up for anything. I want to listen to it and like it, but, um, I'm a, a little hesitant with it when I, I have no grounds to be. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. I, uh, I saw recently Uma Thurman. I mean, that's a song I feel like I heard all summer long. That song was on the charts yeah. forever. Now they released Irresistible with Demi Lovato. I I really wanted this summer for them to release Fourth of July around the Fourth of July. Just that's my favorite song on the record, and I just feel like it would have blown <laughs> up the radio. But almost every song on this album was just a hit. Like I mean, I feel like they could yeah. have picked any of these, and they, they would have been huge. Um, yeah. But so anyway, you know, Fall Out Boy obviously in a different realm than a, a lot of the bands that we cover on the site when you think about punk and hardcore and emo uh remixes aren't as big of a part of that um i mean it's something you see a lot in the pop and and hip-hop worlds but not as much in the genre that we cover most on the site um and i was trying to think about uh bands that do it a lot of times when you hear remix in that sense it's just it's bad it always ends badly it seems like and i had trouble thinking of anything that really came to me of like yeah when this band re did a remix of that it just really was awesome I mean the the most the best example, and they're not remixes; they're just covers. It's the Punk Goes series, the Punk Goes Pop, Punk Goes Eighties, Punk Goes Nineties, whatever. Um, I feel like that. But that... even go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But even those have very mixed results. Like it's more of a novelty thing for people who are fans of a particular band to hear that band play these covers. But if you listen to the albums as a whole, like I, at least for me personally. Um, you have about three songs that are good and the rest of it is just kind of okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. I have the same 
same experience. Usually the bands I already like are the songs that I'm going to like when they do a cover version. Um, yeah. So in those Punk Ghost series, I'm, I'm the same way. There's usually two or three that I like, and, and a lot of the rest are average at best or terrible. Now, what's mm-hmm. interesting to me, though, is these, this series takes a lot of flack. Um, I mean, anytime they put out a new one, the, the message boards just get flooded with people like slamming it. and uh, oh, this, <laughs> These aren't punk bands. Um, so that aside, though... For as much hate as I see this series get, it obviously works because they keep doing them. And like if you like if you pull up Spotify and go to a band's like if you search a band, like always, always, Kyle, the top song is whatever cover song they've done for the Punk Ghost series. It's crazy, and I don't yeah. I don't know if that's just because people are searching for that song and that comes up and people are like, oh, I wonder what this is, and they play it, or if there's just that huge of an audience for this sort of series I, I mean but it's weird because if that's the case then why isn't there more room for things like this in the scene you know what i mean yeah and uh it's a weird thing because honestly i'm gonna be super bummed if this series ever dies because i love it being there it's uh it's really cool but it's just i don't know it feels like they're focusing too much on up-and-coming bands and they're not finding like the staples that people love and having them do it i don't know if that's a thing of like finances or, you know, uh, the staple bands just yeah. aren't interested or they don't have time, but it's a lot of bands that have like an EP out or like one album or something that people are still growing to like. And, uh, I feel like they had someone, you know, like bad religion cover, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody or something like that. <laughs> like it'd really be something special to really put out there. So yeah. it's, uh, it's a really weird thing. It's, you almost love to hate the series because you want it there, <laughs> but it's just – it hasn't impressed me since the original pop, or Punk Goes Acoustic. Yeah. No, you're making a really good point as far as you know why certain bands don't do it. And I almost feel like it's like the dunk contest in the NBA. You know, There was a time where like yeah. all the big stars did the dunk contest. Now nobody does except for like rookies or, or newer guys You know, because uh, – for a number of reasons. But I feel like – there are a lot of bands a lot of bands we think about as bigger on the scene don't need like a big breakthrough cover song from the punk ghost series. Um, so they're not even going to bother with it. I mean, it's, it's almost like unfathomable to think that the wonder years are going to cover Rihanna on the next punk goes album or something. You know what I mean? I, it's just, or the early November. It's like, I feel like a lot of bands wouldn't make sense in that context, but um, you know, I don't know. Cause we've seen Mayday Parade. I mean, they've done a ton of those covers for that series, all of which are almost all of which have been really awesome. So I don't know. Yeah. They've, they're actually at the, uh, you know, kind of pinnacle for that, if you will, <laughs> like, uh, their stuff is really good. And I feel like they really bring maybe not something new to it, but they bring something special to it when they do. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like, I feel like a, a band like Mayday Parade does a really good job with it because they're, they sound like Mayday Parade, but they're still being true to the song, which is an interesting point. They put out their new album, uh, Black Lines, a couple weeks ago, uh, which is a great album and a complete drastic shift from their sound before. And I was reading an article uh, in uh, Alternative Press where they were saying that their recording session, when they covered Bush's Come Down for the Punk Goes 90s Volume 2 series, they realized mm-hmm. how much they wanted to kind of explore that sound further. And you can hear it on black lines. It sounds like almost like an uh, alt rock record from the nineties or something. I mean, there's moments that sound like stone tipple pilots almost. It's, it's really fascinating. Yeah. And, and to think that that came from a recording session where they were recording a, a cover song is, is really kind of fascinating. 
Yeah, and that might be the big difference between, um, you know, bands for that type of series because that's a band that's listening to their sound uh, constantly. They're finding ways to reinvent. They're finding ways to progress. And a lot of the other bands on that series, I feel like they're still trying to discover their sound when they uh, do these covers. So yeah. that might play something into it with it's just they're not experienced enough to really uh, do the series justice. Yeah, no question. I, it's it's one of those things where if done right, it's incredible. If 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 it's done anything less than right, it's kind of just a throwaway. But like I think about a band like the Ataris, yeah. who are known so well for their cover of Boys of Summer, and for good reason, because that cover song fucking rocks. I mean, it's like it's incredible. Like it's one of the best covers that's ever come out of this scene. The the bad side of that yes. is that that song is forever attached to them, where like their biggest hit was a cover song, which is not really something that you want to have happen. Although I'm sure that it's, it's done wonders for their career. Obviously it, it propelled them to bigger heights than they would have before. But at the same time, it's also been kind of a hindrance because people go to their shows and want to hear them play somebody else's song. <laughs> well, do you remember alien ant for alien ant farm? Yeah, they hit that's the same right. uh, problem. Yeah. They did that cover of smooth criminal, which for years even i'm trying to remember when that came out it was like i was in middle school or high school or something and that was all i knew that band for like even now like when alien ant farm comes up i always make a joke about smooth criminal (laughs) (laughs) it's just like it can be like this total blessing and a curse yeah it's that's a thing though and i think it's very specific to our genre and not as much for popper um yeah uh, r&b or rap which is when you think of punk rock in uh, remixes, you think of covers. You don't think of reinventions of the song. Um, right. It's just like, oh, they're playing 99 Red Balloons, but it's a punk beat. Oh, my gosh, how novel. <laughs> and it's not someone really going in and exploring the depth of the song or the album as a whole and finding something that was always there, but it wasn't on the original album. Yeah, that's a really good point. It'd be interesting to see if someone could find a way to give a different take a new take on like the greatest generation or something. And, you know, then we're like, Oh wow. I never knew yes. this part existed or something. That's obviously probably never going to happen, but it's an interesting well, thing to think about. Yeah. That's my thing. When I hear about like, you know, bands that are releasing uh, splits or something where they're covering each other's songs, I get so excited because that's kind of what I want. I want a band even in, within the own scene, um, someone taking the source material, even if it's, the bands are friends of each other. Excuse me. They're taking this source material and they're trying to make it their own. And the best I can think of is the Newfound Glory and Dashboard Confessional split, hmm. where Newfound Glory took some of the early Dashboard Confessional songs and just, you know, Newfound Glory it. It was fantastic. And uh, that's the downside of that, though, is Dashboard took some Newfound Glory songs and I, f- I personally feel kind of half assed it. Like they're good, but they're not. A dashboard song sure uh, if that makes sense yeah and for the record i, I want to say that i anytime a band does like acoustic covers of their own material i love it um almost always i just i love a, a, acoustic for one but it's cool to mm-hmm. hear the way a melody presents itself in that format so for example you brought up dashboard and with their i think it was like their 2009 album ultra the ending they did like there was all the cracks, they'd become like a full band and people were like, Oh, dashboard's not acoustic anymore. It's not the same as it was. So for that album, they had a full band recording of the album. And then in the same album, there was an acoustic version of the album. And it was perfect because like whatever mood you're in or whatever 
side of that band you want, you could listen to that version of it. And I preferred actually the acoustic versions of those songs. Um, but that was kind of a really cool thing. Almost any time a band does something like that, I'm like, all, I'm totally into it. I'm sold. Yeah, and uh, Saves the Day actually did the exact same thing with their album Daybreak. Um, they released it. We had it was the longest break in between Saves the Day albums, like three or four years. And so they released the Electric album, and one of the versions had the acoustic album as well. And Saves the Day are they're no, they're known for their specific style of uh, punk rock, but Chris Conley is an amazing acoustic guitarist yeah i uh, like there's the whole uh he has a whole series where he just releases acoustic albums based on their songs so having an entire acoustic album released simultaneously was just it's something i've always wanted from him and i want him to go back and do a lot of the other albums as well it's just it's fantastic and especially for daybreak which is such a dark album um it's a whole different side where you still have the darkness and depth, but it's taken at a much more somber level than it is in the electric right. version. Yeah, that's it's awesome. Um, something that funny today, I um, saw that Emery had released an 8-bit version of their album, uh, The Question, um, and it was up for free on their band camp, and you can go listen to it. And it's literally every song from that album uh, produced like – you know, in an eight bit format, like you're listening to like Mega Man video game or something. And I listened mm-hmm. to the first track and I was like, well, this is really funny and it's cool how I'm hearing the melody of the song. And oh, yeah, that's cool what they did there. But I realized, like, one, I'm never going to listen to this full album. <laughs> and two, like, <laughs> like somebody put like effort into that. Like, some that took a lot of work for somebody to do for everybody to just kind of chuckle at and go, oh, that's cool. But I can't imagine anybody ever sitting with that whole thing and listening to the whole album. It's kind of fascinating sometimes what, uh, you know, which, you know, obviously it was just for fun, but still it's like, you know, when bands reimagine their own work, the different ways that comes out, um, it's oftentimes much more novelty than it is something that you're going to take and, and have with you or even compare it to the original or whatever else. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, I guess to wrap up, I, I had been trying to think of like a good remix of something from, from this scene, from like the punk scene. And I couldn't come up with anything. I don't know if, did you have anything that you came across that you were like, yeah, when this band remixed this or whatever, it was awesome. Well, um, you know, I, I personally would like to see the Wonder Years tackle 1989. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> that, that would or, be. Uh, like, I'd like to see, uh, that's the thing, like, I like to see the different genres within, within punk and rock kind of mixed together. Like, I think it'd be interesting to see Saves the Day try to do uh, The Devil Wears Prada or something like that. Like, <laughs> take a bit, like, two bands on opposite ends of the same spectrum and just flip them and see if they could actually do justice. Like, can the Devil Wears Prada actually play, uh, you know, Stay What You Are? Uh, fuck, I think I fucked that album title up <laughs> from uh, Saves the Day. And uh, just stuff like that. Like, I love that type of thing. And we, it's just not that big in the scene. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, I, I doubt the, we're going to see that very example that you expressed, but who knows? Oh, no, probably not. But, um... <laughs> And, you know, one of the best things I can think of is um, what the Wonder Years and Motion City soundtrack just did, actually, mm. where uh, they took each other's 
they took one song from each of their new albums before it was released, and they I forget exactly what it was. I think they heard the music too, but they didn't hear the lyrics. So um, it was up to Justin Pierre and uh, Soupy to basically write a whole new song on an existing song that hadn't been out yet. Yeah, that. And I think that's one of the most creative and ingenious things that has ever come out. So that reminds me that, uh, like, it was last year or the year before where Let Live was doing those renditions of uh, The Black yes. is Beautiful, and they were, like, re-recording the songs with different guest appearances. And I, they only did – they only put out a couple. There was one with uh, Subi. Uh, there was one with Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die. But I was loving those. Like, I, I think the anticipation was and the idea was they were going to re-release the full album like that, and then it never really materialized. But I, I love that idea. Yeah. No, I love those remixes, and I was sad when they stopped, and I'm even more sad they haven't actually released an album of it. Like, I was, at the very least, I was hoping for an EP or something that would just come out with the official recording of it, and not yeah. just, you know, you can listen to it on YouTube. Right. Um, yeah. Same here. I was really bummed about that. If you're listening, Let Live, you need to put that out, because, you know, you really got our hopes up, and we want to hear it. Um, come on, you bastards. <laughs> And also, just to Sorry, finish drunk. this, just to finish this off, I saw uh, on Alternative Press their website today. They released like the top ten songs from the Punk Ghost series, and it was an atrocious list. Like I was, I, I read it and I was like, "You literally picked all of the worst songs." Like, have you not listened to these? <laughs> I, it, it blew my mind. There wasn't a single one of those Mayday Parade covers on there either. Yeah, but I mean. Is Alternative Press really known for their best lists? Shots fired, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> uh -oh. I hope uh, nobody from Alternative Press was listening. Um, it's got a radio war going on. Yeah. <laughs> I think they would win. Um, but who's oh, yeah, to say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good chat. Um, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did that. We, it's getting dangerously close to the end of the year. Have you started thinking about your best favorite albums and favorite songs of the year? Because we're going to have to be putting those lists together pretty soon. Ah, you act like I'm smart enough to plan ahead. We've got a lot to top because last year, our end of the year list, like, they kind of blew up. Um, we got a, a ton of shares on that stuff from labels and bands, and we got to up the ante. I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous about it, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, well... I, I have a very tough decision to make because so far, as it was last year um, with Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties, the Wonder Years are still my favorite release of the year thus far, and I can't break myself from the album or pick out any favorite songs, and I feel like I'm just going to repeat myself last year, which is a bit of a cop-out, and it's also super honest. So I'm, I'm just hoping for something to come along and just kick me in the ass to... Uh, take that top spot for me <laughs> yeah my list is gonna surprise you I'm, I'm excited to share it with you because i've already i know Ooh. the top four i think my top four albums and it's 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 gonna it's gonna catch you by surprise you gave you've given fives like a perfect five out of five score to a couple different albums this year the as it is never happy ever after and um mm -hmm. oh gosh what was the other one? Oh, the early did you give the early november a perfect score yes so I'm interested was, to see yes. what happened because last year you gave I Can Make a Mess, Like Nobody's Business, a perfect score, but then you didn't list them in your top albums of the year. So I, I have no idea what to expect. We're, we're going to surprise each other. We, <laughs> we may do a live unveiling. Um, who knows? But yeah, fun stuff. 
good to look forward to. That'd be cool. <laughs> well, that is uh, the podcast for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Uh, of course, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just pull up iTunes on your home computer, this podcast app on your smartphone. Uh, search for It's All Dead. Hit subscribe. Stay up to date on all the episodes that we release. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. And, of course, visit itsalldead.com. Uh, we've got all kinds of great content there, and uh, we love sharing our reviews and um, event experiences, um, news, the, the whole lot. So uh, it's a blast. Come check it out. Kyle, I want to thank you, as always, for taking uh, some of your precious time to do this podcast. You're such a busy man, uh, but you're, you're a great guy, and we really appreciate you doing the podcast. Well, thank you, mister. I kind of like you, too. <laughs> <laughs> um that's the podcast <laughs> that yeah we can end. all right uh thanks for listening and we will catch you next time take it easy <laughs> thanks for listening to the official it's all dead podcast you can download our podcast at itunes and find exclusive music news and content at www.itsalldead.com <laughs>